All right, what a blessing to be able to share this time together with all of you, my friends, Cornerstone online community. We've been walking together now for a little while, haven't we? It's been a journey. I'm glad we're staying connected. Maybe some of you are joining us for the first time. You were told about us by a friend, a family member, a loved one, coworker, or maybe you just stumbled onto us. However you got here, I'm happy you're with us. I'm Pastor Terry, the lead pastor here at Cornerstone Church here in San Francisco. You know, our series is called Healthy Love. We've been sitting with it since the beginning of the year. We're going to stay with it a little bit longer, talking about what healthy love looks like, how we can grow it in our lives. Today, we're actually going to talk about it from the angle of what love doesn't do. Love doesn't strut. I'm looking forward to talking about it. But I want to pray. I want to pray God's blessing over our time and just ask even now, Lord, that you would speak through our hearts. Help us to be open to your love and your goodness and your mercy. Maybe some of us have been struggling. We've been having a hard time. Maybe we've been feeling lonely, discouraged, angry. Maybe we have been doing what we talked about last week, envying others, having a hard time being grateful, yet alone a blesser. But I ask that you would also remind us of what love looks like today and help us to have an even more intense commitment to wanting to have more of you in our lives so the healthy love that we've been talking about will show up in amazing ways, but also in very small and subtle ways, but in ways that make a difference in the lives of the people we touch, especially those we love. It's often there where so much of our struggle is to love well with the people we should love the most. So we just pray for your goodness and grace to fill this place and this space in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, let's start. Let's start together by reading the opening portion of the love chapter. We'll only read the first four verses. Uh, and then I have a little different version I want to read from. The apostle says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to, as to remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant. And where there is love, everything goes better. It does. Now listen to how the message translation describes this passage. Every now and then it just hits something spot on and opens it up in a different way, a fresh way. The message renders it like this. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. <laughs> if I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day. And if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. And then if I give everything I own to the poor, and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. That's the envy we talked about last week. And here it is. Love doesn't strut. 
He doesn't have a swelled head. <laughs> so we're calling this message, Love Doesn't Strut. There's a fascinating passage in the book of Proverbs that lists six, no, seven things God despises. And I'm going to share it from the NKJV. It says, these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven. They're actually an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one that's always caught my interest, and one who sows discord among brethren. There's a lot of them stand out. I'm not sure which one would stand out more to you, which one gets your attention more, but that last one is always, like I mentioned, struck me. But the first on the list is a proud look. Most versions render that haughty eyes. I'm talking about the look of arrogance with a twinge of disdain, right? It's so not Jesus. It's so not healthy love. That just wasn't the Jesus way, was it? To walk around with haughty eyes. I mean, he didn't... <laughs> I'm going to be a little facetious here, but Jesus didn't sashay into the room with his chest puffed out, strutting his stuff, saying, make way, make way, with a look on his face that said, hey, I'm the Messiah, the Son of God, and the rest of you aren't. Now that's, he could have said that. But he who was the greatest ever to come among us, come on now, he came, what a model. He came with humility, hmm. meekness. What is meekness but power under control? Jesus was meek, no bravado, wasn't reckless. It was not, I'm the greatest, you know, I'm the greatest. I can float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. No, no it's, it's not Jesus, it's not Jesus. I'm number one, you didn't have to say it. Every now and then he would say, I am the one. I'm the one who's come to give my life away so that you might have it. I'm the one that seeks to please the Father. I'm the one who's willing to wash your feet. Come on. Philippians 2, 3 through 8. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. That is, he laid aside the privileges of his deity. He emptied himself, but emptied himself by, by taking the form of a servant, being Form, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. I mean, on a, that last one, that's the ultimate humiliation. For in Jesus' day, it was the ultimate scandal. <sighs> to die essentially naked on a tree as a common criminal on what was pretty much their version of Boot Hill, Golgotha, the place of the skull. Such was the love of God, such was the humility of God, that Jesus 
God with us, God in human flesh and blood. Um, when I look at the cross and gaze into his eyes, what do I see? What do I see but broken love reaching out to me? Think about that. You know, early in his ministry, Jesus experienced um, a surprisingly comprehensive rejection in some of the towns he ministered. And it bothered him to see such a display of unbelief. But when he read, well, well I put, let's think of it this way. We read about it, right? Uh, in Matthew 11, verse 25 to 30, it says, At that time Jesus prayed this prayer, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever. He was talking about, if I can put it this way, the spiritual strutters who had rejected him, the higher-ups, the Pharisees who wanted themselves to be seen as very religious. And what Jesus basically was saying was that you've rejected these spiritual strutters and you've revealed them to the childlike. That's the end of verse 25. Yes, Father, it pleased you, Jesus says, to do it this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. The way to the Father, God, is through Jesus. But then Jesus added, come to me. Here it is. The, you, this is the part all of us remember. Come to me, all of you who are weary, carry heavy burdens. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Here it is. Look at the contrast. Because I am humble and gentle at heart, you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. I love this passage because it connects profoundly with what we've been talking about. It shows us what Jesus actually is inviting us into. The kind of love he's inviting us into is a humble love. It's not the strutting kind of, here I am. It's the come as you are. Uh, it's just as I am, right? And if I can say this, he wants us to come to him. He wants us to come to him. It's, how can we not see that? Especially if we're tired, stressed to a point of breaking and worn down. Instead of strutting our stuff, he wants, to, okay, I know it. Instead of strutting our stuff, he wants us to bring him our stuff. Instead of strutting our stuff, he wants us to bring him our stuff. All of it. All of it. Just bring it on. Our struggles, our cares, our concerns, our self-confidence, whatever it is. No need to hide. No need to pretend. Our insecurities. No need to be ashamed. Our failures. Our weakness. Past sins. I don't know. Whatever it is. His love is so big. Remember, he's not impressed by what we possess. He's just wanting us to come with humility of heart. So he wants us to come to him, loved ones. And he also wants us to do what? I mean, we read it. He wants us to rest, to be at peace, to quit clutching and striving. Quit trying to show ourselves to be something that we don't need to do. We don't need to impress people. Just 
Live in His grace. Live in His rest. Live with open hands and a settled soul. That equanimity we talk about. And the other thing He wants us to do, He wants us to come to Him. He wants us to rest. He wants us to submit to His lead. You know, that's what take my yoke upon you really means. It's like, Jesus, you're the leader of my life. You take the wheel. You're the one. You're the one. I'm yoked with you. You make the move. I go with you. The more we do that, right? The more life starts to make sense. The more easy it is to love like him. So he wants us to come to him. He wants us to rest. He wants us to submit to his lead. And he wants to teach us. What does he want to teach us, loved ones? He wants to teach us his humble and gentle ways. And remember, those who spend time with Jesus and with others who are spending time with Jesus start to look more like Jesus. The way we love like Jesus is to have more of Jesus in us. And the way we have more of him in us is by spending more time with him. More thoughtful about cultivating that relationship. Oh, and there's one more thing love doesn't do. It was alluded to. One, it doesn't strut, but it also doesn't brag and boast. It doesn't need to beat its own drum. I mean, Jesus didn't beat his own drum. In fact, he told, most of the time he told people, don't tell anybody that I even did this. Every now and then, someone would force him into a position where he, he couldn't deny who he was, but Jesus wasn't... <laughs> Perfect love on earth, when it walked among us, didn't brag and it didn't boast. He didn't strut. Proverbs 27 says this, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Let another praise you, not your own mouth, a stranger, not your own lips. Oh boy, there's so much here. There's so much in those verses. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger, not your own lips. One, <laughs> We are reminded to live with humility. Why? Because life is fragile. Come on, you guys. Life is fragile. And, in, and if we have learned anything in these last few years, it's that we don't control things. Wars, pandemics, national turmoil, hurricanes, downturns in the economy, health epidemics, uh, Health issues in our lives, relationships, stuff, job security issues. I mean, things happen so fast. And on top of that, we're far, well, we're far more fragile than we realize. We really are. Every now and then we're made aware of it. I mean, when you get really sick, you, you, you start to realize how fragile things are. Sometimes we just forget. We're not promised tomorrow. So don't boast about tomorrow, the scripture says. Don't say, and Jesus told us this too, don't say, oh, this is what I'm going to do, and that's what I'm going to do, and look how smart I am, and, and when, you know, when this happens, we got it made. Now, it's okay to aspire. It's okay to be ambitious. I think if we can connect that to God in some way, like, what are you going to do with your success? You're going to use it to bless? Or just to possess things that won't last? I mean, we need to, we need to ask these questions. It's important. I think about what Jesus... Um, taught us when he shared about the rich fool in Luke 12 he taught you know 
talked about that man, if I can say, well, maybe if I can put it this, this way. Jesus talked about the rich fool who had acquired all that he had wanted and reached his goals, and he was rich, and he was wealthy. And he said to himself, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to just going to lay back and enjoy what I, what I got. I'm going to take my ease, eat, drink, and eat, drink, and be merry is the way Jesus put it. <laughs> and then he said, Jesus said, but thou fool, tonight thy soul will be required of you. And whose will all these things be? The rich fool of Luke 12 was boasting about coasting on all he had built. And the Lord said, it's going nowhere. Tonight it all ends. So I think that's a great reminder for us to live with humility and not to be boastful or presumptive. But another thing we're being told and reminded of is in that, in that Proverbs passage is, is, is let, let others praise us. We don't need to praise ourselves. Now that I mentioned this earlier. It doesn't mean that we, we can't share about our accomplishments and joy in getting something done or recognized. I mean, shared joy is twice the joy. Shared suffering, half the suffering. That's one of my, I love that phrase, right? There's something about sharing the joy that makes it even more meaningful. And there's something about sharing the suffering. I'm not talking about doing harm to anyone. I'm talking about when we're hurting the ability to share that honestly and to get prayer and just have someone help us carry that load. And honestly, it, it, it reduces the suffering. So share joy is twice the joy, share suffering, half the suffering. But by and large, you and I, uh, it's, it's, it's probably better to be more modest, um, more sensitive. Humility is always the better path to take. Bragging and boasting and trumpeting how good we are. I mean, Jesus would say, well, that's just, that's just foolish. That's just foolish. It's unnecessary. Uh, let another praise you, not your own mouth, a stranger, not your own lips. So one of the things that's really clear here is that healthy love doesn't boast about its talents or accomplishments, its skills, its intelligence, its privilege, its connections, its looks, or its children. I mean, love doesn't strut. I mean, come on, when we're around people who are strutting, it just, we just want to get out of the room. I mean, it's odious. Sometimes we might care for someone and we hear them and we just go, Lord, help me to put up with this because, and, and I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be like that either. Uh, you know, hell, I think, okay, we can take satisfaction and share our happiness with joy, but don't boast or brag. And so we really are differentiating that because there's something about sharing the joy and sharing the love and sharing something that is an amazing thing. And that's great. And we want to be able to share that. And it could be an encouragement and a blessing to people who care for us and, and are rooting for us and are happy for us. And that's great. And, but we, we also can overdo it. 
right? We may not only uh, come across as blowing our own trumpet, but, and this is a nuance, but I, I want to say it. And this is one of the reasons why, another reason why love doesn't strut, love doesn't boast, love is modest, love is humble. There's another reason. And it's not just because we look bad. But it, it can be hurtful. It can be hurtful. Especially when others are struggling or have less. We talked about the danger of envy last, last week and how love doesn't envy and, or covet. And it's true. But we don't, we don't want to tempt someone into that. The Bible talks about, you know, you don't want to you, you tempt someone into sin. We want to be sensitive. Jesus, Jesus was trying to help people, not hurt people. Just because someone maybe might have an, an area where they struggle, we sh doesn't, you know, and, and we might go, well, that doesn't, that's not my issue, right? But that doesn't mean we should be insensitive to that struggle. And sometimes a person may, may have a hard time. They're, they're trying to be grateful. They want to rejoice with us, but, but it's hard. And we don't want to create envy and, and hurt in them. And yeah, and from our standpoint, we might say, well, you know, they, if they're my friend, they should be able to rejoice with me. And if they can't, that's their issue. That's their fault. And they're, okay, that is true. You know, if they're my friend, won't they be happy for me? And I would say, yeah, by and large, yes. By and large, yes. And I, I'm, so don't hear me saying it's, it's, it's wrong to share, it, it, that it's wrong to let others know about our accomplishments or to share is something that's really making our heart rejoice. And we want them to be able to, to know that this is happening in our lives. And, and that's great. Right. We, and there was a lot of examples, you know, we have a baby, we, you know, we want to share that. We're not going to go, Oh, I don't want anybody. You know, we don't, we don't want to do that because we want, even if we know that some people may not be able to, it doesn't mean we shouldn't share the gift of life. And that's true in a number of different areas of life. Right. But, at the same time, if we are a loving friend and we know that this is a potential area of sensitivity for someone else, then would not the loving thing in Christ be to exercise restraint? I, I hope that would be the case. Isn't that part of what it means to love one another as we would be loved? And honestly, as we have been loved by the Lord, I love one another as I have loved you, but also love one another as you would want to be loved. And that, that idea of the, you know, this golden rule is, is a big deal and it requires relational sensitivity. Love is relationally sensitive. Love seeks not to trample over people and just say, accept me for who I am. You know, this is who I am. And, and this are, look what I've done. And this is, it, it, it's just not Jesus. That's not what Jesus does. And that means we're going to have to sometimes periodically think, and we can overreact and go the other way too and say, I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm going to be secretive and all that. That's not what we're talking about. Share the blessing. There's a joy in sharing blessing. But at the same time, there are times where the Lord is wanting us to be thoughtful and, and sensitive to someone else who may be struggling in an area where 
we're receiving a lot of blessing in. And boy, you know, I want to be, I want to be careful about how I share that. And I don't want to be angry with them. I, I, I just, that's called healthy love, right? And we, we are all going to need others sometimes to be sensitive to us. So love is sensitive to others. And that's how we're supposed to love our neighbor. You know, love your neighbor, Jesus said, as you would love yourself. I remember reading something that Dallas Willard, uh, philosopher, author, professor, wrote. Uh, he, he, he was sharing about the call we have been given to love our neighbor. It was, actually, it was in his book called Life Without Lack. And he said this, and, and we'll put this up. He says, we have been called to love our neighbor. Neighbor is an old English word that means literally the boor who is navy, that is nearby. Uh, the boor who is navy, not the boor who is nearby. <laughs> a boor, a boor is a farmer, B-O-O-R, is a farmer, and a neighbor is the farmer nearby. That's the root of the word. It's what it comes from. You are called, Willard writes, to love those who are nay thee, uh, near thee, your family, your friends, your coworkers, the folks in your neighborhood. Yes, whoa, even the enemies in your life, the ones who irritate, demean, frustrate, and mistreat you. And that, and by, oh boy, that, that, that last one's tough. It really isn't, I'm not gonna, not going to pull any punches on that one. It's hard. It's really, I mean, I have a hard time loving people who are unlovely and mean and irritating. I do. I have a hard time. And to love our enemies, to love those who would do us harm, who do us harm, who have hurt us, that is so hard. I mean, that's high level love. That's high level love. And we're going to need the Lord's help to do that. <laughs> Honestly, if... If I'm honest, which I want to be more, <laughs> I, I'm going to have a hard enough time loving the people I love and like well. I mean, I have a hard enough time loving the people I love and like well, yet alone loving people who I don't like. And that's, that's where the Lord comes in, right? That's only Jesus. There are some things I say, only Jesus, only Jesus at work in, the, in me, more of you, less of me. Uh, so I've got another thought to share in the benediction, the closing word, the good word. I hope it will be. But before we share that, uh, we have a, a song, a worship point to engage in. But let me just pray. And even now, Lord, I thank you for what we've been sharing together. I thank you for your blessings and the reminder that, uh, Love doesn't strut and love doesn't boast. Love is sensitive and we know you love us. We want more of your love in us so that we can be more like you in the way we love. So with that in mind, we thank you for what we've shared. Bless this song as we share it. And then our final word as we come back. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.
So instead of boasting, we bless. And instead of strutting, we shine. We shine out the love of Christ with humility, with sincerity and sensitivity. Lord Jesus, help us to do that. Help us to be a people who don't boast, but we bless. Oh, we walk around with blessing on our lips. Help us be better blessers. And instead of strutting, Lord, help us to shine. Help us to shine out your love. Like, come right through us, Lord. More of you, less of us. More of you working through us. Lights in a dark world. Help us, Lord, to shine that light in our homes, in our most critical, crucial, crucial, sacred relationships, in our church community, in our friendships and at work, and anywhere else. You want us to shine that love with our neighbors, to love our neighbor, the farmer close to us, 
right? The one near thee. Lord, we wanna, we wanna love like you loved. We wanna love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we wanna love our neighbor as ourselves. So my prayer for all of you is that his love would overflow in your life and that Jesus, our great shepherd, would keep you, lead you in the way, guide you in the path. Yeah. That your mind would be kept, your body would be healed, your soul and your spirit would be whole. All these blessings we thank you for, and I pray them over you. All of you, my friends, so greatly loved you are.